Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I can't believe it's so round. It's like out there. I mean, gross. Look. She's just so wow. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. When a girl walks in with I like big butts and I cannot lie. No, that wasn't a Winston Churchill quote. It's the iconic first lyric of Seattle-based rapper Sir Mix-a-Lot's 1992 smash hit, Baby Got Back. While your grandma's out cutting a rug at the wedding reception to a song about anacondas and getting sprung, it can often be forgotten that the song is actually an anthem of body positivity. His music tends to walk a fine line between well-intentioned and super horny, so this week we'll dial 1-900-MIX-A-LOT and see if we can kick some thoughts about why he could never repeat the success of this song. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder, or is it one hit thunder? Matt, it's really hard to look at Baby Got Back with like a fresh perspective. I was trying to put myself in the situation of what was it like the first time I heard Baby Got Back? Because at this point, this song, it's like when this song comes on at, I don't know, a wedding or a bar or wherever, it's kind of like, ugh. Like, 
I've just heard this too many times in my life. I, I'm not amused by it anymore. I'm more like, I can't wait to hear the next song because it's almost, it's so novelty that it's too much. But I'm trying to think about when this first came out. I, I had to have liked it when it first came out. I had to be like, wow, what is this? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing that I'll say. I, I don't, I won't say that I haven't gotten tired of this song because that would be, cra- I think everybody's at a certain point got tired of this song. But, you know, when you go to weddings, there's certain songs that the second you hear it, you can feel the the shift in the room. Uh-huh. And this feels like one of those songs that it's like, oh, dance floor is kind of dead. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear that like, oh, my God, Becky. Or if the DJ is good enough to skip that part where you just hear that. Dum, 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 dum. Right. Like, and you see the people start to get up and make their way out to the dance floor because they're like, oh, man, I'm, it's time. Like, <laughs> So... Nice. So I I don't dislike the song, but yeah I, you know where I think I actually first heard the song was on like I used to go to my cousin's pool all the time to swim, and it probably was like ninety five ninety six, so I was like ten or eleven, and they had one of those like uh like a Millennium Hip Hop Party compilation or like one of those things where it's just mm-hmm. like, here's all the rap songs you need for your next party. And this was on there. And I'm sure they played it constantly at the pool. And that's how I first was exposed to it, I think. Hmm. I have another question for you when you think about this song now. Is it a body positive anthem or... Is it degrading to women? <laughs> it's I can't I can't tell. I could you could this would probably be a great debate topic for high school debate. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I think that intention was definitely for body positivity, and I don't think it's. I mean it definitely gets a little degrading. Um, but like so here is the breakdown that I saw in here on the the Wikipedia synopsis. He says. That uh, where is this? the the song came from a meeting between Sir Mixalot and uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this name, but a a model uh, who felt like there was very little representation for full figured women in the media. The idea came from an 80s era Budweiser commercial that featured very thin valley girlish models of different skin colors, and they decided that they should dedicate a song to the opposite extreme, featuring exclusively curvy women of color. Uh, they sought to broaden the definition of what is beauty. Um, and then Mixalot commented in an interview, the song doesn't just say, I like big butts, you know. The song is talking about women who damn near kill themselves trying to look like these beanpole models that you see in Vogue magazines and explain that most women responded positively to the song's message, especially black women who came up to him and said, it's about time someone said it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I would have le- I would have leaned that way, but I could also see someone making the the other argument, maybe. And uh, but I think the the argument that this is a body positive anthem is w- way more valid and I think that's cool. I think that's a cool part of it. Uh, you know, it's obviously ridiculous, but hey, I think ridiculous captures people's attention. I think I, I always make that point that if there's some, there's some, even a thing about a song that's ridiculous and it catches people's attention, that's great. I mean, in this case, everything is ridiculous about it, but that part of it isn't that ridiculous. That part's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, this is a thing that we're like, theoretically... We're still like seeing things where it's like what like a year ago it was a it was a big big news that it was like oh this 
magazine used this model who's like not traditionally a skinny model like it's a mm-hmm. still it's still a situation in the world of magazines and modeling that they they go for you know maybe not as as insane as like the heroin chic look of the yeah. late 80s early 90s but like that they still go for a not unattainable but not easy to obtain figure mm-hmm. versus what like 90% of people in the world are shaped like. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know, Matt, I've been told it's behind me, so I don't see it very often, but I've been told <laughs> I got I got a little bit of a big butt myself. Uh, people are telling you you got a nice badunka dunk. I've I've been I've been told, so maybe I should <laughs> I should celebrate this song. Yeah, this bit. song's for you when it comes on the wedding. You're yeah. sitting on your big butt. You should be running out there and shaking it. <laughs> <laughs> Do people say it's round and juicy? Yeah, well, I've, been, I've been told it's it's round and juicy. You should get those sweatpants and say juicy. On oh, the back. dude, <laughs> I know, right? That those are very strange. That those, it says juicy I've on the butt. Never looked like those. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> no, it's something I didn't know until we started researching this. What's that? That Sir Mix a Lot's a Seattle rapper. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's not what you think of when you think of early '90s Seattle. Uh, where is Sir Mix-a-Lot on your <laughs> your list of of early '90s Seattle artists? So I learned something really cool about Sir Mix-a-Lot in Seattle, though. So he attended Roosevelt High School, and this was when the Seattle Public School District was in the middle of their 21 year old a 21 year experiment to integrate the school system through busing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a classmate of Duff from Guns and Roses. Wow, who was going to the same school. And there's there's always been like some criticisms of the busing thing from from different perspectives. One of them being like, well, you're pulling kids from their community and from mm-hmm. from like their neighborhood, and that people came to that neighborhood for the community. But Mixalot actually really enjoyed the experience. Uh, and in an interview, he said, uh, "I understand that a lot of people feel like this pulls kids from the community, but for me, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me because I was able." to go to a really good school that had a music department. Right. <laughs> and like that's where he was able to like get involved with like how to do audio engineering and how to record and like he he nice. was able to dip his toe into it when if he was living in kind of the projects area of Seattle, he may not have ever had those opportunities to stretch that skill. It's crazy how every action has a million different things that that come of it and in this case it's we got baby got back. We got baby got back out <laughs> uh, of it. And also, I, I'll make this point. If I was a politician and I was running, I would make this point and I would probably lose, I'm sure. But I'm sure all the good natured people would be like, you are absolutely right. <laughs> because I don't understand why every school doesn't have exactly the same resources, regardless of how rich or poor the people it, are that live. Why Why shouldn't every school have the same? Why should there be poor schools? It's It makes zero sense. Zero no, sense. You should want your next generation of people to be, uh, you know, you know, educated and and make things better. And that in, in poor education, I think, results in things declining and getting worse. I mean, that's common sense right and yeah. and that's and i'm sure there's a lot of uh you know education pro- uh professionals that would agree with that and i i feel like i never hear that talked about i mean i'm sure it's talked about but that seems to not be something that's an issue there's a, all kind of other stupid things that are issues but yeah it's a little bit of a sidebar but just saying yeah, but it's a good point um so do you want to talk about what he did after he finished high school though yeah so he started djing he dj'd at parties and at community centers 
and he befriended a local radio DJ. Uh, and the radio DJ was like, why don't you try your hand at rapping? And Sir Mix-a-Lot was not confident in his ability <laughs> to rap. And this is where we get the first of what I would say were like three different phases of Sir Mix-a-Lot finding his voice. Mm-hmm. The first attempt at finding his voice was, I'll rap the song very slowly and then speed it up in post. Right. And uh, he described it as having a Smurf sound. Yeah. You know what it kind of reminded me of? What's that? Those early ICP songs uh, like on Riddlebox where Violent J's voice is kind of sped up uh-huh. a little bit. Right. I thought that earlier, this is, we're skipping ahead, but you played the song from Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Uh, Monster Mac. Monster Mac. And I was like, this kind of sounds ICP-ish. Yeah. And and I, dude, I think Sir Mix-a-Lot has played The Gathering before. He had to have. I'm pretty sure he has. There's no way that there's not a crossover there. Yeah. I bet he's a juggalo. We should hit him up. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know. It is. We watched all those. Uh, what were the songs called? It was like. Well, I wrote squ- them all down. So his first. So his first single he did. Square dance rap is the one where yeah. he smurfed out. Then on the album Swass that that song was featured on, there was also. Butter my biscuits. Yeah, butter buttermilk. Oh, sorry, butter buttermilk biscuits. <laughs> there was posse on Broadway. Yeah, that wasn't in Smurf. Bo- that was not in Smurf voice. And then it also contained him cu- doing uh, a rap song to Iron Man. Right, right. And uh, the title track Swass we we looked into, and it it was reinterpret uh, was reinterpreted. Into a Pussycat doll yeah. song that was huge. Interpolation. Interpolation, that's, that's yes, the word. It's the it's the don't you wish your boyfriend was swas like, like me. me. <laughs> and that's where it came from, the Sir Mix-a-Lot. And at this point, Sir Mix-a-Lot is very much, which some might argue that he always kind of stayed this route, but I would I would say by the time he got the baby got back, his rhyming, his 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 flow is very like energetic and very forceful uh but in these early recordings he's very much like <laughs> like the impression we do of like my name is chris and i'm here to say yeah if, if he wasn't a smurf voice he was that type of yeah rap it was like a very bad run dmc now but i think that the second album the two songs we listened to on the second album seminar i actually kind of liked which ones were those Those were my hoopty yeah. and beepers my- Yeah, those, I was like, those songs were fun. Yeah, he he was fine in his sound at that point. Yeah, and it's it was a nice blend of it was it was a little goofy, but it was but it was what like like I thought that my hoopty. I think both of us had like one or two lines that we kind of chuckled at. Like it was a, it was an effectively funny song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like it when grunge came in and kind of washed away some of the cheesier music of the late 80s early 90s it seems like the gangster rap came in and eventually kind of erased some of the goofy silly rap of the late 80s early 90s you know and yeah but before that happened this is 1992 right 1992 this is where signed yeah to deaf american okay so the so uh that's deaf j it's rick rubin's label like subsidiary of Duff J- Def Jam that's where you know he did stuff with 
the Beastie Boys he did stuff with, you know, later with Johnny Cash, those American recordings. But he also worked with Sir Mix-a-Lot on a little song called Baby Got Back. Rick Rubin did Baby Got Back. He, his label. Oh, was, his label. His he label release. He had nothing to do with like. No, I don't. Product. I don't. Well, uh, he's listed as a producer. So, yeah, the producers on this were Rick Rubin and Sir Mix-a-Lot. Wow. Yeah. And this song went to number one. Number one, it unseated Mariah Carey's I'll Be There. That's wild. And also, it sat at number one for five weeks. This wasn't like a wow. one week thing. It got unseated for one week by uh, Madonna's This Used to Be My Playground. And then Boys to Men just like dominate it for, for weeks with End of the Road. Wow. That's crazy. End of the Road and Baby Got Back were like the same time. Like well, like the same week. Also, <laughs> also, I, you know, now this song gets played. It's just a part of our fabric of music, you know, at this point where we bring up weddings. Like a, you would see like a grandma out on the dance floor dancing to Baby Got Back. Why not? You know? Yeah, but, but at the time... Was there outrage? I mean, there. Oh boy, Chris, they couldn't play the video on MTV after nine o'clock because there were so many complaints about the music video after nine or before nine o'clock. You mean? Oh, they could only play it after nine p.m. They couldn't play it before nine p.m. because of the the booties in the video. Well, you know, man, everybody has a butt. Everyone has a butt, dude. I say all the time. Do you ever watch Naked and Afraid? Uh, I don't, but well, I know of it, yes. It's a show where people try to survive in the wilderness in bad conditions when they're naked for 21 days. But they blur everything out, but they leave the butts. Yeah. You see their you see their dirty butts. No the reason whole time. not to. Take I'm a just, look at it. It's there. I'm just saying butts, like what's the big deal? While it was maybe a quote unquote controversial music video, didn't stop it from winning the Grammy for best rap solo performance. Wow. And I'm kind of, I'm holding a second. I want to Grammy scr- award winning baby got baby back. got back <laughs> uh, one for best rap solo performance. I just want to see what it was up against on this. Uh, it beat out MC hammers, Adam's groove. <laughs> uh, Marky Mark and the funky bunch. You gotta believe. I don't even know that one. Queen Latifah's Latifah's had it up to here and LL Cool J strictly business so not a lot of competition right <laughs> I, was... they kind of just handed it to him with that one but yeah. uh i mean adam's groove is pretty great so all this he he wins the grammy he collaborates are you familiar with the judgment night soundtrack Do you yeah, know anything of course, about the soundtrack of course he did a song with mud honey on that soundtrack Whoa. yeah well, i guess seattle seattle connection yeah i mean well i mean the entire judgment night soundtrack was like let's take a rapper and let's take a Metal a band, band. yeah of some, let me see if there was any other Seattle, Seattle, if there's any other Seattle bands on that soundtrack. But you might be right; they may have, they may have matched them for for the Seattle connection. They may have known each other. Yeah. Uh, well, Pearl Jam was on there. Right. Pearl Jam did something with Cypress Hill. Right. I'm trying yeah. to think if Biohazard Dun- and yeah, and Onyx. That's a that's a great track. Yeah. But I'm trying to see is is Teenage Fan Club from Seattle? No, they're Scottish. And Dinosaur Jr. is the only other one. Nope, Massachusetts. So yeah, I mean, the only other Seattle band would have been Pearl Jam. And I feel like uh, Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill kind of makes sense to me. I would have way. preferred the Pearl Jam and Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> 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 that would have that been pretty good. I know Mud Honey, 
but I don't think I know a single song by Mudhoney. Yeah. I think I just know them because they show up in that movie Black Sheep with Chris Farley. Okay, yeah, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I know who Mudhoney is. I, I couldn't tell you a song by Mudhoney. Could Honey. not name one of them. But that was not his last mix with a rock band. Mm. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hey, welcome to Unstable Topics, a fast-paced, jam-packed, unhinged, bestie podcast filled with facts, reacts, and made-up games in between. We're your hosts, Sarah and Maggie, and we're excited for you to join our best friend hangout, where we surprise one another with things we find interesting or hilarious just to see how the other will react. Our friendship might be totally stable, but you never know what your bestie might throw your way to knock you off your game. So come shake things up, learn something new, and laugh along with us. This is Unstable Topics. I read this and this blew my mind, right? So Baby Got Back, huge hit. Puts out, you know, put him on the glass, which doesn't do nearly as well. Uh, His two albums, not impressive. No one's blown away by these. Eventually, Sir Mix-A-Lot dropped. It's kind of the end of Sir Mix-A-Lot's career. But he's not done making music. He decides he's going to start a new band called Subset. And do you know who that band is that he's working with? No. I am so devastated that this group never recorded and released anything. It was Sir Mix-A-Lot with the Presidents of the United States of America. Wow. Another <laughs> Seattle connection. That That's that, a good one. That makes a ton of sense to me. Like the combination yeah. of those two. I was like, that music probably had the potential to be unbelievable. Yeah. I like that comment. Wow. I know. How sad is it to think that we will never hear what that combination was? What? They just said they were going to do it and didn't do it? I think they started working on stuff and nothing really came from it. Oh. I know. Maybe it was more like, uh, this sounds good in theory, and then they tried to do it and were like, this 
doesn't really yeah, work. Says, this is the direct quote from Wikipedia. It said, during the time off, he worked closely with the band The Presidents of the United States of America under the name Subset with a combination of rock and rap, but nothing has ever been released from it. Wow. So. Interesting. Well, he also had that song, which I, I was like, oh, yeah. it's And you said it's a cover. Jump, well, it's Jump On It is the is the single. Uh-huh. Um, but it's him just stealing the the Apache song by Sugar Hill Gang. Well, regardless of whether he's covering it or stealing it or whatever whatever he's doing, I do believe that the version I hear still today is the Sir Mix-a-Lot version. No, right? oh, it's no? the it's the Sugar Hill Gang one. Really? Apache's Apache Sugar Hill Gang is legitimately the song that you see Carlton dance to on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, I mean is Apache, jump on it, jump yeah. on. He just changed it by shouting out cities. He's like, Phoenix, jump on it. I'm telling you, though, I, I think that's the one I hear getting played when I when I go to places that are playing music sometimes. Well, it, it might. Here's what it might be, actually. The song Apache has been kind of been pulling away a little bit because it's it's based on a lot of Native American stereotypes that are untrue. Uh -huh. But I mean, people still want to dance to the song. So maybe people are like, hey, here's the in who would have thought you'd go to Sir Mix-a-Lot for the inoffensive version of a song. <laughs> yeah, right. But they're like, oh, we can use the the Sir Mix-a-Lot one where he's not talking about anything Native American. He's just shouting out cities where you can jump on it. Right. <laughs> like um, also, we learned we actually learned by watching a Todd in the Shadows video on YouTube, which I, I would recommend. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about this song and it was pretty funny that then Sir Mix-a-Lot tried to repeat the success of Baby Got Back with a song called Put Him On The Glass. Which was referring to breasts. Put the breasts on the glass. And any of the social commentary about, you know, women's bodies or any of that, that good stuff from Baby Got Back was completely missing. It was just put your tits on the glass was, was, was basically the point. And there were topless women in the video, soapy women. Uh, there were actually topless like. He, like he had to blur out the yeah. video. Yeah. yeah, he censored the video, but there I don't know, like he said, where were they playing this video? Like, did you have to like buy a VHS tape and watch it? You couldn't show the the naked breasts on TV. I was very confused about that. Yeah, that was a weird call for <laughs> <laughs> Also really funny that like like if you're going to make a song about boobs that the the idea is Put them on the glass. <laughs> Press them up against like the glass yeah, window or something. Because a boob has never looked better than when it's smashed <laughs> into a flat yeah. pancake shape. <laughs> like, what, what is the appeal of that request? Um, yeah. All right. So here's the thing that's kind of cool about Sir Mix-a-Lot, though, is like he's never really gone away. You know what I mean? Like this song lives on forever. He is so like always ready to jump into it. You know, he's appeared on Robot Chicken. He's appeared on Tom Goes to the Mayor on Adult wow. Swim. He voiced himself on an episode of BoJack Horseman. Um, one of my favorite things that I read uh, was that he was, in 2019, he was the official spokesperson for the Cards Against Humanity ass pack. That wow. <laughs> <laughs> expansion pack. But, like, think about even, 
not even 10 years ago, Nicki Minaj, Anaconda. Right. Comes out. Like, True. It's a song that's constantly being sampled and referenced and, you know. Matt, I actually read that Sir Mix-a-Lot at this point has made $100 million because of this song. And you know what? Well-deserved. That is a tenth of a billion dollars because of this song. So, of course, if something made me a tenth of a bill. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, do anything you ask me yeah, to. Yeah, whatever. Cards Against Humanity, ass pack, who cares? I mean, if you're known as the guy who celebrates butts, I mean, most of us probably celebrate butts. Men, women, whoever. You know, it's it's a body part. You know, yeah. we all, that's the, that's the craziest thing about butts. We all got one, man. We all got one. This was a song. VH1 <laughs> ranked this the sixth greatest song of the nineties uh, and the number about, one greatest one hit wonder of the nineties. I don't know about either of those claims. I mean, the sixth best song of the nineties. That's, that's a little, it's a lot of high praise right there. Yeah. The other thing that I want to bring up is how familiar are you with an artist named Jonathan Colton? Not at all. Okay. So Jonathan Colton is kind of like this. Uh, he's known as Joe Cole. He's a he's a folk comedy singer. Um, songs that you might know from him. He did the theme song for the very short-lived show Code Monkeys that was on G4. He did the song uh, Reply Your Brains that you might hear sometimes at Halloween where it's like supposed to be a zombie writing a business email to his co-worker. It's like, all we want to do is eat your brains. Uh, never heard it. And then uh, if you ever played Portal, he wrote the song Still Alive that the computer sings when you finish the game Portal. But he was doing a project for a year called Thing a Week, where every Friday he put out a brand new song. Mostly it was originals. Every once in a while it was a cover. And he had this idea to do a slow, acoustic, very sultry cover of Baby Got Back. Yeah. LA face with the Oakland booty. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny when a girl... So he records this thing. And all of a sudden, in late January 2013, I'm going to read this verbatim to make sure I don't miss any of the details here. <laughs> January 13th, a preview for the TV show Glee included a cover of Baby Got Back that would be part of an upcoming episode. Colton and others noted that the backing music was extremely similar to his recorded version, which he completely reconstruct, like recontextualized the song. Right. It wasn't like he just did. So it was like, and they possibly were just using his original musical composition and maybe even his audio track. Colton reported that Fox Broadcasting had not asked him about using his recording, nor responded to his inquiries before the episode aired. The episode Sadie Hawkins aired unchanged on January 24th, and further analysis of the aired version of the show of the cover appeared to use Colton's original music arrangement. It included Colton's original melody and changed the lines of Colton's version as well, because he changed it to Johnny C., instead of Mix-A-Lot, and they kept the Johnny C lyric What in the Glee episode. <laughs> Fox officials later contacted the agents of Colton, claiming, in his words, that they're well within their legal rights to do this, and that if, and that I should be happy that I got some exposure on them. Wow. Even though Colton is not credited within the episode. Colton has been exploring legal options. While musical covers do not have copyright legal protections uh, in the United yeah. States, he may have a legal right if the Glee version was found out to be using his original backing track that he constructed. 
Yeah, man, that's that's some real gray area. It's real <laughs> shitty on Fox's part. I mean, that's real surprising. And uh, that's well, and that's a thing that's happened a couple of times. I'm not sure if you've read any of the stories of like they've d- used that line before, where like they asked a band, they were like, "Oh, we want to do one of your songs on Glee," and the band said no, and they were like, "You should be thankful that we're even asking you." Like, wow. Like Glee, the people, the people who made Glee and specifically with Fox's legal department seem like real pieces of trash. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Baby got back. Uh, I mean, I, I think that I like Sir Mix a lot. Yeah. I was, I was bouncing back and forth, but like in all honesty, I like this type of rap music. I like, so I was listening to the Bloodhound Gang when I was driving up to Pittsburgh. Like, mm. I think that he fits right into that vein Todd in the Shadow said it perfectly where it's like he's similar to Two Live Crew, but he's like a way better rapper and yeah. like way more creative than Two Live Crew. Right. Even put him on the glass. As dumb and offensive and stupid <laughs> as that song was, I was like, I don't hate this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you love it. <laughs> but I I mean, I would genuinely probably if if we're talking about albums that I would buy, because you know that I'm one of the few left in the world. Uh, I would buy the Mac Daddy album that features Baby Got Back. I would probably buy Seminar that features Beepers and My Hoopty. And I might buy the album with Put Em On The Glass because it also features Monster Mac, which I really like by him. Yeah. Um, I think this song has just been overplayed to death. Like, I never have a desire to listen to Baby Got Back. It's just, it's not Sir Mix-a-Lot's fault. You know, more power to him for all the money he's made from it and all the people he's made happy with it. You know, all the people that felt, you know, he made feel a little bit better about their bodies or or whatever. Um, That's great. That's awesome. It's just I've just heard it too many times. I could say that about a a lot of songs. You know, it's not not necessarily the artist's fault. Um, But uh, yeah, Sir Mix a lot. If, If you're listening, we like you, man. (laughs) <laughs> Fair that's, enough. that's all that's all i'll say about it. I'll, I'll but as far as thunder or blunder on sir mix a lot how you feeling i would put thunder on this i think that i think that mix a lot has proven to have at least a fair amount of other songs that are f- perfectly fine mm-hmm. i don't think that any of them are as memorable or catchy as baby got back but they're they're good enough and i think that the that what the intentions were on this one i like I like that that he was trying to to write a situation that we still see to this day where it's you know wrong, uh, un, unreasonable beauty expectations mm-hmm. in in media. Yeah, so that's cool. And I got even though I heard it too much there's like every line of this song is memorable. Every line of it. He really knocked it out of the park with every single the, lyric being memorable and catchy. My anaconda don't want none unless you got buns hun. That's yeah. I mean, that feels like something that's always existed. Yeah. <laughs> one one that I always think of is uh, my brother, because my brother would say it all the time, was that Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't, <laughs> I ain't down, down with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the what's the measurements line? Oh, uh, oh shit. I, I just remember only if she's 5'2". <laughs> only if she's, what is it? 5'2". Five? Five, <laughs> yeah. You know, so your girlfriend drives a Honda playing workout tapes by Fonda. <laughs> it's it's the, the lyrics are, are pretty good. If, if uh, you know, if you sat there and, and analyzed them, I'm sure that um, you find, I mean, it's pr- pretty damn clever. 
It's yeah. it, he's a real wordsmith. Yeah, I agree. So are you going to give him the thunder on this? I'll give him a thunder. Yeah, toss it to him. He's... Put him on the glass. <laughs> This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophelius of the band Punchline and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing I Swear I've Been Here Before off the So Nice to Meet You EP. Be sure to check out punchline.com for any upcoming news with the band. Our podcast is on Patreon now. Find us at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast for early access to episodes, bonus conversations, and a chance to vote on future songs for us to cover. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcasting app and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.